This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Well, you ready to hear the God's word? So we've been in this series uh, in the book of Ephesians. And what we've been doing is we've been exploring our identity, right? Our identity in Christ. And so the last couple of weeks, that's what we've been doing. We went to Ephesians chapter 1. We talked about the fact that we are in Christ. Say in Christ. Because remember, that's the key, right? The key to being in Christ, I mean, to being fully alive is being in Christ. And so here's what he said and basically summed up in chapter 1. In Christ, I'm fully pleasing. I'm completely forgiven. Totally accepted and I'm complete in Him. Can I get an amen this morning? And then last week we talked about we're his masterpiece. That the master artist created you uniquely as an individual, as an original. For what purpose? That you should do good works. Now, can I add something to that we didn't talk about last week that came to me this week? Your good works that you're doing as a masterpiece should always bring glory to the master artist. That should have got a better amen than that. Our works should bring glory to the master artist. The one that you, when you look out, I don't know, if, I don't, this morning I was up early. And I, I was outside, it was still dark, freezing to death. I had a blanket on, I had my hoodie on. But I wanted to be outside because I'm looking up and I see the full moon. And Anybody noticing the moon just the last few days? The stars in the sky, just the beauty of nature. Then I'm reminded of this master artist who created all of that and then said, let me, let me just go. Let me top up all that. Let me just create a, a group of people that I want to have a relationship with. Turn to your neighbor and say that. He's talking about you. He is. And so you're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works so that we can glorify the master artist. So that's your identity in Christ. So today what I want to do is I want to capture the idea of chapter 3 in Ephesians. And by the way, if you've not done so, we have these free um, devotionals for you that you can take with you They're on the back table as you leave. It's the whole book of Ephesians. And then there's space in the margins for you to write down your notes. When, if you want, you can bring it with you every week as we're studying this and you can take notes. But you can read along with us in the book of Ephesians. So that's free for you today as you leave or if you don't already have one. So Ephesians chapter 3 Really, again, what Paul's doing is in the first three chapters, he's painting this picture of our identity in Christ, who we are. And then starting next week, we're going to talk about how we behave as those who are in Christ. So chapters 4 through 6 deal with the actions, right, the works that, that Christ has called us to do. But today we're going to finalize this idea of our identity. And I want to just remind you that, that Christ has a vision for your life. How many of you know he has a vision for your life? John 10.10 10 is division, right? Let's read it together. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But here's the good part. I have come that they may have, and how? Life to the full or more abundantly. And so Christ's vision for your life is life to the full or abundant life. And so when, when we get, begin to look at the, the book of Ephesians, we see how Paul is laying it out. This is what a full life in Christ looks like, that you are bought with a price, that you belong to Christ, you're in Him, and your identity is sealed in Him, and now you can live a full, rich, satisfying life. How many want to sign up for that? Amen. And so Ephesians 3, 
I want you to I want to ask you a question before we dive into the passage. Has anybody ever been a part of a community or a club? Maybe a country club or some kind of community or club. Let me see your hand. Some kind of society. Because you were a part of that club, you felt a sense of belonging, didn't you? I'm I'm a part of this exclusive club. And I and I got this group of friends and they're like family. Why are they like family? Number one, you have some common interests, right? There's some common ground. Also, you do so much together. You're basically doing life together. And because you're doing life with them, you feel like they're a part of your family. Well, I want to declare to you today that there's a family that you can be a part of that's greater than any social club, greater than any country club, right? And normally, if you're a part of a country club or some kind of other club, you got to pay dues. And sometimes those dues are pretty steep. Right? Let's say you join one of these, these golf courses down through here, and you got to pay a lot of money to get on that course, right? Well, I'm here to tell you this family that I'm talking about, this club that I'm talking about, you don't have to pay it. You know why? Because Christ has already purchased entrance into the family by his own blood. We just sang about it, and we just celebrated in communion. Can I get an amen? And so this is the this is the sense of belonging that you can have. And it, listen, it surpasses anything that you could be a part of on this earth. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 3 begins to show us what this looks like. This family, this church, we'll call it the church. You know, there's a several synonyms that Paul uses for the church, his family, right? Let me say this. It's not based on how much money you have. Thank God for that, right? And it's not based on your color. Listen to me, every tribe, every nation, every tongue has access to the family of God. Amen? And listen, if you don't like that, you're not going to like heaven very much. Because the book of Revelation says that it, he even saw it. When John was seeing the Revelation, he said, I see it. People worshiping God from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And folks, so access into this club is not based on race. It's not based on financial status. It's based solely on the fact that Christ went to the cross. Amen. So let's dig into the word today. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. We're going to break it up into two sections, okay? So don't get worried. I'm going to just read you to death. But we're going to, we're going to see this. Paul's painting this picture. He says, when I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to the Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to us by His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Watch this. This is the one you need to hone in on. Watch what it says. This is God's plan. Both Gentiles. Anybody glad about that? If you're not a Jew, you're glad for that today. Right? Because everybody in this room that's not of, of Hebrew descent, you're a Gentile. So you're glad that Paul says you're included. Anybody else glad? I'm glad. And he says, the good news is, I believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. 
and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. Say, say I belong to Jesus. Do you really belong to him? So God, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I'm the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Over and over again, he says that, right? In Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 12, because of Christ, watch this, and of faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Can I get an amen this morning? Is that not good news today? Now you understand this idea. You notice he said the, the mysterious plan a couple of times. And so what I want to declare to you today is that the mystery that, that Paul's talking about concerns you and I, right? And so I want to say the mystery and how I fit into it. Now, what is the mystery? Now, some of you may be thinking about, okay, mystery, mystery, mystery. Well, here, here's a biblical definition. It's a truth that may not have been revealed until a certain time or even now. So what's Paul talking about when he says... God gave me this mysterious plan. Well, it was twofold. Number one, God gave him the responsibility of sharing the good news with the Gentiles. That's the first part of this mystery. The fact that, that God was, was willing to, to spread out his love to all mankind, not just to the Jewish nation. Because you realize for a long time in the Old Testament, the Jews were the, God's special chosen people, right? And he looked down on them. He, he, through him came Christ. And so the, the good news is, he says, I'm not just in love with the Jews. I'm in love with my creation. So this mystery is, let me just begin to show you what this looks like. Now, the the... The Old Testament patriarchs, they knew that, that something was coming, that God had redemption in mind. They just didn't know what that looked like. They didn't have the full unveiling of the truth. And so what happened is at the, just the right time, God gave Paul and the apostles this revelation of, of the gospel being spread to the entire world, not just to the Jews. And so the good news is you and I, can have fellowship with Creator God. That's the first part of the, of the mystery being revealed. The second part is that he's putting together a family. You notice what he said. He said, Jew and Gentile. All the same body. So this mystery is, for a long time, the Jews thought they were it. Well, yeah, it's us, yeah. Going around bragging. But all of a sudden, here comes Christ on the scene. Dies on a cross, walks out of the tomb, and now we all have access to the family of God. This mystery is unfolding, has unfolded right before our eyes. Now, you remember when Christ was on the cross, and the last two words, or three words he said, 
What, what were they? It is finished. And the Bible says that the veil of the, of the temple, the holy place where only certain people could go, was rent from top to bottom. You know what that signifies? Now you and I have access to God 24-7. Maybe you don't realize the, the privilege of that, but that's, that's the reality. And so what he did, he began to shape this thing and began to unfold the mystery, the gospel of Jesus Christ, him dying on the cross and walking out of the tomb, being revealed to all of us now. And having, actually having a relationship with God. So, okay. I'm gonna take, come on. Siri likes to interrupt my sermons sometimes. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I'm not going to repeat what I just heard. Because I'll get in trouble for it. My wife will probably get me. For, I'm not going to say it. So God gave Paul the stewardship of this idea of the gospel being spread to Gentiles. But here's the thing. He got to thinking about it. And he's like, you notice what he said. I'm, I'm the most unworthy. Why did God choose me? To share this message. You know why he was so troubled about that? Does anybody know Paul's past? Anybody know the story of his past? He used to be called Saul. And you know what Saul was doing? He was a Jew. And he was, man, this guy was a smart dude. Trained by the best teachers in the law, in the religion of Judaism. And out of his zeal for Judaism, began to persecute Christians. As a matter of fact, it got to the point where they were murdering. They were, they were martyring Christians because of their faith. And Paul, Saul at that time, was right in the middle of it. As a matter of fact, there's a story in the book of Acts where there's a, a group of people and there's a, a Christian leader named Stephen who's declaring the gospel. All he's doing is declaring the gospel. And they get so mad at him, they, they begin stoning him. And you know who's watching as a witness? Good old Saul. He's actually holding. They're like, hey, will you hold my, my coat while I go stone this guy? And so he's watching this, and he's approving of it. As a matter of fact, he actually gets orders to go from, from where he's at to, to Damascus to, to gather up, to arrest more Christians, to, to put them in jail, and probably end up killing them. And on the way, folks, this is, this is the good part. On the way, he has an encounter with the living Jesus. Folks, can I declare to you today that one moment in the presence of Christ can change your life forever? And that's exactly what happened. Saul encountered the living Jesus, and his life was never, ever the same again. As a matter of fact, it was so, such a transformation that he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And so here it is, this guy... This ex-terrorist, this ex-murderer, and God has chosen him to share this good news with the Gentiles. And he's like, whoa. Why do I bring that up? Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here have a past? The ones that are raising your hand, raise them up. Come on. Everybody in the room has a past. You may not feel like you do, but you do. And so here it is. If there's hope for a former terrorist, a former murderer, there's hope for me and you, amen? God has an, an awesome 
created plan for you and I, even though this was us, the old us. It's no longer us anymore. Remember, it's a new identity. We're not Saul anymore. We're a Paul now. So when we look at the life of Paul and we see that God used him, a former terrorist, there's hope for you and I to proclaim and to be a part of this wonderful mystery, the unveiling of this mystery of the church of Jesus Christ. Here's the other thing. The beauty of this is that God, actually Christ promised. If you've ever read Matthew 16, he gathers his inner circle of disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi, and he says to them, I will build my church. And here's what he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what that means? That means people full of the Holy Spirit, full of the understanding of where they were, and now they're, they're redeemed, they go and kick the ga- down the gates of hell and rescue as many as they can. Amen. Listen, folks, this is why we're here. And so this idea that God's going to build his church, and you and I get the privilege and the honor of being a part of what he's doing, his eternal plan on the earth. It's good preaching, Pastor. Come on. All right, so here's number two. If you're taking notes, anybody remember, some of you that are maybe not old enough, but those of you that are almost as old as I am or around my age or a little older than me, you remember the old American Express commercials back in the late 80s, early 90s? Anybody remember those? Here's what they said. Membership has its privileges. How many remember that? So i got to think about that. Membership has, and this is a credit card, right? So they're, they're leading you to believe that if you'll be a part of their club of carrying around that plastic piece of whatever that is and put it in your wallet and use it, that you're a part of a, an elite club. Membership has its privileges. Yeah, you get to go getting dead up to your eyeballs. No thanks, right? But then I got to thinking about the church of Jesus Christ, Stacy. And the fact that I can be a member of his body, and I can truly say membership has its privileges. Amen. And so I got to thinking about some of those privileges. Number one, the church is a place to belong. We've already declared it, that we belong to Jesus because of what Christ did at the cross. But you, you recognize that his church, that's a place for you and I to connect with people. It's a place for us to, to not just come and just sing a few songs and then go home, right? Now, some of you, that's how you, how you viewed church for a long time. Some of you grew up in that tradition where, okay, you know, i got to fulfill my duty. You know. To please God, I'll go, I'll go, to, I'll go to church. Oh, I'll, get, I'll go to kicking and screaming to church. Has anybody ever gone kicking and screaming to church? When I was a kid, Yes. But you realize the privilege it is to come together as the body of Christ on a Sunday and encounter the presence of Jesus. It's a privilege. And in those moments, like we did earlier, where we were singing, no wonder we call you Savior, I hope to goodness that that was a connection between you and Jesus and you felt his love and his mercy and his grace for you today. That's a privilege. To belong. But not only to belong to him, but to belong to each other. The beauty of this is that you don't have to do this Christianity thing by yourself. 
that you can belong to the church of Jesus Christ, to fellow Christians, that you can fellowship together, right? You can go hang out at Starbucks together. Come on, you know, hey, by the way, the, new, the Starbucks has opened up their cafes now. Hallelujah. I've been missing that. Thank you. She works, she works at Starbucks. Thank you, thank you. And so, so you have this opportunity to connect with people, to do life together, to, take, you know, to have barbecues, to watch the Georgia Bulldogs beat up on the Auburn Tigers. Sorry, Richard, he would have. I think he saw that coming. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? It's a privilege to be able to do life with other people who have the same, the common ground that you did. And you do. So membership has its privilege. We belong. This is my tribe. This, I know that's one of the new words, right? Used to be posse or whatever. Now it's tribe. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're part of my tribe. Come on, tell them. Tell them, you're part of my tribe. You understand, right? Is this making sense to anybody? Membership has its privileges. I'm a part of the, the, the fellowship of Jesus because of what he did on the cross. Amen. His body. Number two, it's a place to grow. You have an opportunity, the privilege of growing. Some, some of you, when you see that word grow, you, boy, you start sweating. Woo! But you understand the beauty of this, right? Because when we talk about growing, we're not just talking about learning information. No. This is a growth in the reality of the relationship that we have with Christ. So every time you open up your Bible, every time you pray, every time you worship, Jesus is an opportunity for you to grow, to love him more. Amen. I should have got a better amen than that. You understand, reading God's word isn't just for the sake of reading God's word. But it's how you grow. Get connected to a group and hold each other accountable and do life together. And then the beauty of it is, is when people look at you and they begin to see, well, listen, when you, start, when you first started being a part of our group, you, you weren't very fun to be around. But now, I like you. You see what I'm saying? This is what, this is what happens. God uses the body of Christ to transform us from the inside out. So membership has its privileges in that it's a place to belong. It's a place to grow. Number three. It's a place to be empowered. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, if you think about the eternal plan that Christ has for his church, how many of you believe God wants his church to grow? Why? Because there are people out there who need to be in here. And the message that we're declaring out there is Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, walked out of the tomb. They need to hear that, and, and the, Paul calls it good news or the gospel. And so for us to be empowered to share that message, we need, listen to me, folks, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So when you're in church and you're encountering the presence of God, and it gives an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to begin to move in your heart and change you from the inside out. 
Because God's not coming back for a weak, anemic, powerless church. No, He's coming back for a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So here's what I want us to do right, right now. We're going to stop right now. And everybody that in this room, if you're hungry to be filled in power of the Holy Spirit, I just want you to lift your hands right now. Father, would you fill every person who's hungry right now with your spirit? Hallelujah. Empower us, Holy Spirit. You've called us. We belong to your body. We belong to your church. And you want to do great things through your body. So right now, fill us right now. Every person, just be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name be filled. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and bless God right now. So he came back. So this, this membership has its privileges. It's a place to belong. It's a place to grow. It's a place to be empowered. And then lastly, it's a place to make a difference. Why is that so important? Because the nature of the eternal purpose that he has for us. Listen, folks, he didn't call us to be a holy huddle. What do you mean by that, Pastor? He didn't call us to say it's our four no more. How else can I express it? He called us to make a difference. I will. He, he called us to make a difference. So it's a place to, to find out how to do that. Membership has its privileges, doesn't it? Let's keep reading. I want to... Well, let me, let me read a couple of other things here. So, I'm trying to get ahead of myself, y'all. Have y'all realized that? I get excited and I, I look at my notes. I'm like, you left that out. So, can I, can I declare this to you? That as the, the days grow darker in our society, the church becomes more and more important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Remember, you're Christ's masterpiece, right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So sometimes maybe somebody has to remind you, hey, remember why you were created. Let me go ahead and stir you up. Let me give you a good kick in the seat of the pants there. Anybody ever needed that? Am I the only one? Look, can I do it for you today? Can I give you all a good kick in the seat of the pants? Listen, get busy. Watch what he says in verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Why? As some people do, Why? But encourage one another. This is the privilege of being in the body, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Folks, the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the more important the church is. Remember, we're a part of this eternal mystery, this plan that's unfolding. So he's calling the church to stir each other to love and good works, to not neglect this, the meeting together. And the beauty of this is, as a privilege, you get a chance to make a difference, but you also have a chance to have this direct access to God like never before. Hebrews says it in another place. It says, let us come boldly. 
It didn't say sheepishly or ashamed. No, what did it say? Daddy, I'm here. Come boldly to the throne of grace and find help and strength in your time of need. Listen, folks, you have access to God. You don't have to be in church to pray. You don't have to be in church to worship. You can be in your car. You can be jogging in your neighborhood. You have access to God. Why? How? How is that possible? Ephesians 2. I referenced referenced it early. Chapter uh, 2, verse 13. Look what it says. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. Remember, before it was just the Jews, right? And now the eternal plan unfolding is I'm a Gentile, but in Christ, I'm united with Christ. Now I have access to God. How? Through the blood of Jesus. Folks, this is a privilege. A privilege of being a part of the family of God is I always have access. So God wants you to not only know your identity in Christ, but he wants you to identify as a member of his body. There are blessings, there are benefits, there are privileges that come. We've already named them for being a part of the body of Christ. Every bit of it was purchased by Christ on the cross. Here's how one theologian talked about the church. He said, the church of Christ is the grand theater in which the divine wisdom is most signally displayed, including, doubtless, the manifestation made therein of the whole process Right? Process of Christ. Watch this. For the accomplishment of man's redemption and salvation. The number one reason the church exists is because there are people out there who need Christ. Man's redemption and salvation is always on the heart of God. From the foundation of the world, God has wanted to redeem mankind back to himself. And so that's the church's job. That's the part of that eternal plan. So here's the last thing if you're taking notes. As a member of Christ's body of his church, you can grow to full life in Christ. Isn't that, isn't that great to have that opportunity and that privilege? So let's keep reading here. Ephesians chapter 3. Remember his vision for you, right? That you be fully alive in Christ. Now watch what Paul, actually Paul prays a prayer for the church here, right here. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. The creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. How? Through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You want to know the the secret to your strength in Christ? There it is. Dive into his love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Come on, somebody. Look here. If you, if you stopped and tried to contemplate that one verse and got to thinking about the, the height, the width, the depth, and the length of God's love, you're going to be sitting there a while. And some of you, maybe you've never contemplated that or pondered the idea of how much Christ really loves you. Watch this. May you experience the love of Christ. Notice he didn't say, may you learn 500 verses of Scripture out of the Bible. 
Did he say that? May you come to church every Sunday for a full year. What did he say? May you experience. He didn't say, go look up the Greek for love in the the New Testament and find out it's agape. No, he didn't say that. Now, it's good to know that, right? No, what he wants you to do is, he wants you to take it from information to really knowing it. Is there anybody in the room can truly say that you've experienced the agape love of Christ? Amen. And so he says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand, right? It's, my mind's blown every time I think about the love of Jesus. Then you, watch this. This is the part I want you to get to. Then you will be made. Oh, this is some people. Oh, you know what? I got I to gotta marry that guy over there, that girl over there, because they complete me. Anybody ever said that? Hogwash. Now, don't get me wrong. I love being married. I love my wife. She's awesome. Can everybody say, Bertha, you're awesome? She's going to kill me for that one. She's awesome. But she can't complete me. You understand that, right? It's just, here's the way I look at my relationship with Lori. It's icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top of the sundae, amen? Amen. But the true identity, the true completeness comes from you experiencing the love of Jesus. Because you were made for that. Now watch what he says. Complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The fullness of life. Does that sound familiar to anybody? What was Christ's vision for you? That you have a full life in Christ. So what's Paul doing? He's just reiterating. He's just recasting that vision that Christ has for you, that he wants you to walk fully alive in Christ. Amen. He says, now this is, this is one of my favorite passages in all the, all the Bible. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, say infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now, let me ask you, let me read this and then I'll ask you a question. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, that's us, right, forever and ever. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever sat down and written out a vision for your life? Nobody? Think about that. Here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to be. You know, when I'm 30, and some of, you know, here's what I want to be when I grow up. And some of you still haven't figured out what you want to be when you grow up. But you, but you sat down and you, you mapped out a vision for your life, where you want it to go. Let me tell you something. According to verse 20, that vision that he has for you makes yours pale in comparison. If, if you only knew what Christ had in mind for you, if you only knew the greatness and the riches of the glory of what he wants for you, you would, you'd be amazed. And so that, that, that verse, it says, he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, all we ask or imagine. Isn't that great, folks? So God's vision for you is bigger than you, your vision for yourself. Isn't that right? So because you're a part of the church, he wants you rooted in his love. He wants you experiencing his love to the full. He wants you complete in him. Mind, body, will, emotions, spirit, the whole you complete. And it's only possible when you experience the love of Jesus. 
Now, when the world looks at us, the church, Christians, what should they see? Should they see a divided body arguing over petty stuff? You know what? No. You know what they're supposed to see? The love of Jesus. And Jesus, here's how he declared it in John 13. Watch what he says. So now I am giving you a new commandment. What is it? Love your uncle that drives you crazy. Love your wife. No, 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 no. I ain't saying that. These two are going to get me in trouble. I did not say that. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. He says, a new command, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Well, that's pretty high standard. We're supposed to love the way he loved us. Uh-oh. How did he show he loved us? He sacrificed his own life. And so if I'm supposed to love other people the way he loved, that means i got to sacrifice for them. And if necessary, yeah, I might lay my life down for them. Amen? But watch what he says here. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what's the distinguishing factor of, of a person who belongs to the family of God? One word. Love. Lord, help us. Help us to love the way you loved. Amen? So, as I'm drawing this thing to a close, some of you, even today, as we've been talking about the love of Christ and being a part of, having, being privileged part of the body of Christ, you're sitting on the fringe of going all in into a relationship with Christ. Has anybody ever jumped off a cliff into the water? Anybody ever done that? I did that. When I was a, when I was a college student, I would do it no problem. So a few years ago, I took my boys. We went to a place called Devil's Elbow up in Dawson County somewhere. Anybody ever been there? So there's a, there's a cliff. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, I, and I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about my wife at home going, you dummy, don't you do that. You're almost 50 years old. Don't jump off that cliff. And Garrett and Tyler, on, they've already jumped off. And they're like, Daddy, you're, you're afraid. And they're making fun of me because it takes me 45 minutes to jump off the cliff. I did it, finally. But some of you are like that. You're on the edge. And God's at the bottom. He's saying, won't you just go ahead and dive into a relationship with me? What is holding you back? What are you afraid of? Well, some of you, you just like being in control. Right? You just like, I, I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can trust God with my whole life. I don't know if I can trust God with my relationship, Stacy. I don't know if I can trust God with my finances. I don't know if I can trust God with my help. I'm here to tell you he's going to do a way better job than you because I can go home with you and I can see how you've messed it up. Some of you, you need him to step in because you're about to go under. So you're at the edge and, and Christ is saying, dive into my love. Dive into this 
all-in relationship with me. You're like, no, I just don't know if I can, God. No, 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 no. Let, let me tell you something. Just go ahead and do it. Let me ask you a question. What if? What if you did that? What if you experienced this love of Christ that you were made complete in him? What would your family look like? Those divorce papers that are, that are on their way, they'd be ripped up and burned and put in the, in the fireplace. Listen, that, that foreclosure notice that's about to come to your door, God will take care of that. I'm here to tell you, he can do it all. That, that health, that, that, that health problem, he can take care of that. Did I mention he's the healer today? But some of you, you've got to dive into a relationship with him. Go all in and let him take control of your life. You'll be glad you did. Because remember, he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or imagine. Amen? So what would our community look like? If all of us in this room experienced the fullness of Christ's love, what would our neighborhoods look like? What would this church look like? Can you imagine, Joy, a church full of all-in people? We'd be doing 25 services on a weekend. You know why? Not because of the numbers. That's not what I'm talking about. But the impact that you would have on the people around you, they would want to run to this place. Are you, are you following me this morning? And so this is what God wants for us. What would our church look like? What would our community look like? What would our marriages look like? What would our finances look like? What would our health look like? If only we would dive in fully into a relationship with Jesus. Would you stand this morning? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.